Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles. The Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles in chapter number 25. 2 Chronicles chapter number 25. We're continuing with our little series of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Tracing through the generations of Jesus Christ, the family tree of Jesus Christ, through his kingly line, starting at Adam and ending up in 64 generations to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've now been talking about the various kings of Judah. And we had talked about Athaliah and her influence upon the southern kingdom of Judah. How that she was married uh, and was queen and influenced as a wife. We saw that as she raised her son, the influence she had as a mother. We saw as she reigned herself, and what a terrible, horrible reign it was. And she even tried to kill all of her grandchildren in order to secure the reign. When she was finally defeated, one of the grandchildren who she failed to kill ended up becoming king. His name was Joash. And he was raised in a home that taught the word of God. He was raised in the high in the temple with the high priest. However, he learned all of these things but never followed them for himself. And so what started off to be a promising reign ended up to be a horrible disaster where he himself was assassinated by some of his fellow helpers because of the horrible reign and choosing not to follow after the Lord. In his decisions. Now we pick up Joash's son in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter number 25. 2 Chronicles, chapter number 25, and notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 1. 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 1. Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehodadan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right. In the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Now it came to pass when the kingdom was established to him that he slew his servants that had killed the king, his father. But he slew not their children, but did as was written in the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for their fathers, but in every man shall die for his own sin. Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and made them captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, according to the houses of their fathers throughout all Judah, and Benjamin, and he numbered them from twenty years old and above, and found them three hundred thousand choice men able to go forth to war that could handle the spear and shield. And he hired also a hundred thousand mighty men of valor out of Israel for a hundred talents of silver. But there came a man of God to him, saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee. 
For the Lord is not with Israel, to wit, with all the children of Ephraim. But if thou wilt go, do it. Be strong for the battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemy. For God hath the power to help and to cast down. And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall I do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Then Amaziah separated them to wit the army that was with him out of Ephraim to go home again. Wherefore their anger was greatly kindred against Judah, and they returned home in great anger." And Amaziah strengthened himself and led forth his people and went to the valley of salt and smote the children of Seir 10,000. And another 10,000 left alive did the children of Israel carry away captive and brought them on top of the rock and cast them down from the top of the rock and they were broken down in pieces. But the soldiers of the army which Amaziah sent back that they should not go with him to battle fell upon the cities of Judah from Samaria even unto Beth Horon and smote 3,000 of them, and took much spoil. Now it came to pass, after that Amaziah had come from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the children of Seir, and set them up to be his gods, and bowed down himself before them, and burnt incense unto them. Wherefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah, and he sent unto him a prophet, which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people, which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand? And it came to pass, that as he talked with him, the king said unto him, Art thou made of the king's counsel? Forbear. Why shouldest thou be smitten? Then the prophet forbear and said, I know that God hath determined to destroy thee, because thou hast done this, and hast not hearkened unto my counsel. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase, a very powerful phrase, found in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 25. 2 Chronicles 25, and notice with me at the end of verse number 9. 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 9, notice the phrase, the man of God, or the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. And if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for you being a wonderful God. And as we come to you, Lord, I'm asking that you would use this message in your spirit to draw people close to you, that we would have a desire to have the much more, to realize there's much more in this life than what we have, and that you desire to bless us, you desire to do more. But we have to do things your way, knowing that you are able to give thee much more than this. Let us desire and seek for the much more now. And Lord, because this is a spiritual matter, because this is a matter that only you can do, I'm asking that you would just set me out of the way. I die to myself, my wants, my desires, my ambitions, my goals. I die to myself. And ask that you fill me with your precious spirit for the purpose that you get your own work accomplished. That you would do something so amazing that everyone that hears this, that it would help draw them close to you. That they would make changes in their life. That they would seek after you. That you would do something for eternity because of this desire to have the much more. That you are able to give us much more than this. We love you in Jesus name. Amen.
You know, one common complaint, one common observation of human life is that people are wondering, is this it? Is this it? How many people spend their day, wake up in the morning to eat the food, to have enough uh, strength to go to work, to earn the money, to buy the food, to get to uh, have the strength to go to work, to earn the money, to buy the food, to have the strength to go. And the cycle never ends. And they look and said, is this it? Is this all we have? Is this the only purpose that we have to exist? Is this it? Well, I want to exclaim to you, the Lord has a desire. The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. There's more than life than just the maintaining. There's more than life than just the surviving. There's more than life than this. And we don't have the much more even though it's offered to us. What keeps us from having the much more? Pride. Pride keeps us from having the much more. In fact, notice with me in verse number 2. And we'll see this here. And uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 25 and verse 2, speaking about Amaziah. And he, Amaziah, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Here is someone who did what was right in the sight of God, but his heart wasn't all the way into it. There were certain things that we have to do in our life that we do, but because our heart's not perfect, because it's not complete, because it's not whole, because it's not set to God, because it's not seeking God, we miss out on the much more. Let me give an example. Many of us in here, most of us in here, all of us in here, are moral people. Many you're not bad people. But there's a difference between being a moral person, a good person, and a godly person. There's a difference there. There's the much more that we're missing. And most people are satisfied with being good people. But we're missing out on more that God has for us. Here's another example. Oftentimes people get satisfied with our little Bible knowledge. When God can allow us to have much more. Some people are satisfied with just showing up on Sunday mornings. And that's it. They said, oh, I've got my church in. I know enough. And they're missing out on more that God has for them. We become complacent with the altar. That, you know, oh, it's all right if I don't go up there. Well, if God's drawing you, you need to respond. You need to learn how to respond. And we miss out on the much more because we're not responding to God. We have the truth. And the world needs the truth. We don't need to hide the truth. We need to... Let it out. Let it have. God has so much more. Before we dive into this passage, let me lay a foundation down and try to give you some understanding about this much more. First of all, as we kind of just hit this idea, I want to build a case. Did you know that God desires to bless you? God desires to bless you. Uh, turn there if you don't mind. Uh, hold your finger here. We're coming back here. But I want to lay this foundation first. And I want to show you several different passages. Turn with me to the book of beginnings. Book of Genesis chapter 1. And the book of Genesis chapter 1 of course is the creation of the world. That God created the world in six literal days. And then in 
Genesis chapter number 1, it explains that God in the sixth day created man. Notice with me in Genesis chapter 1. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 27. So God created man in his image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Notice verse 28. And God blessed them. You know, right after God created Adam and Eve, he created man. The very first thing he did was bless them. God created us and he wants us to be blessed. God desires to bless us. He wants us to be blessed. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Notice with me as he's dealing with Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, verses starting at verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And notice this. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Alright, so that's to Abraham. Verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. We understand that God wants to bless people. From the very time that he created man, he wanted to bless them. And then as time went on, he gave uh, another desire here as he's talking about Abraham. He wants to bless people. God wants to bless people. God is not a God who wants to be mean and give people bad things. He's not a God who wants people to have a boring life. He's not a God who just wants people to survive and just get through. God wants you to have his blessings. He wants you to have the much more. That's in the character of God as he wants you to have the much more. By the way, what does it mean to be blessed of God? What does it mean to be blessed of God? It's to move beyond what man can do and get from God what God and God alone can do. What does it mean to have God's blessing? It's to move beyond what man can do and get what God and God alone can do. That's the difference. We understand that man can get some things done by himself without a doubt. And man is, a, is capable of getting some things accomplished and some wonderful things accomplished. But having the blessings of God, having the much more, is getting what God and God alone can do for someone. It's the abundant life that God promised to give you the much more. And again, we're building a foundation understanding that God wants to bless you. God wants you to have the much more. It's his desire. And we can have God's blessing. We can have those things that only God and God alone can do. God wants us to have us the type of life when people said, when? How did this happen? Where did this go? And our only thing could say, God did it. God did it. It wasn't us. It was God that did it. Let me show you some more. Jeremiah chapter number 16. Jeremiah chapter 16. Again, all I'm doing first of all is I'm building this foundation that God wants to bless you. He wants you to have the much more. This is God's great desire. Turn with me if you don't mind to Jeremiah chapter 16. And I want you to see this. John chapter, uh, Jeremiah 16. Jeremiah 16. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in Jeremiah 16 in verse number 14. 
Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, it shall be no more said, the Lord liveth that brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth that brought the children out of Israel into the land of the north and from the lands where he had driven them. And I will bring them again into their lands that I gave to their father. Let me pause here. What is he speaking about? Well, all the way through history, when it's speaking about the God of history, Jeremiah chapter 16, that was verses 14 and 15, that whenever someone wanted to point out the power of God, they would go back to the parting of the Red Sea. Can you imagine what a great miracle that was? To get two and a half million people from one bank of the Red Sea to the other bank of the Red Sea. And in order for that to happen, to get all two and a half million people and their carts and their animals and everything across, they would have to cross the Red Sea about 2,000 people across. In order for that to happen, the Red Sea would have had to been parted to about three to five miles. So it wasn't just a little tiny corridor. It had to be a wide corridor. And if it opened up that wide, don't you think the other nations of the world saw that as well? Absolutely. And so you would see that being referred to that when people would talk about the Hebrew God, that's the God who opened up the Red Sea. Whenever people would go back and they wanted to demonstrate the power of God, he's the God who opened up the Red Sea. Now in Jeremiah chapter uh, 16, Jeremiah says this, God wants to be so powerful in your life that the reference point is not when God opened up the Red Sea. He says he wants to do something more, so amazing in your life that that Red Sea is forgotten about because he did something more in your life. You understand that wasn't the extent of God's power. That was the beginning of God's power. That God is able to give thee much more than this. Our God is able and he desires to bless you. He desires for you to have the much more in your life. He desires for you to have more than this. And he wants to make it so much that the Red Sea crossing pales in comparison to what God can do in your life by giving you blessing. Let's turn some more. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. The gospel record of John chapter 12. Again, I want to build a case. I'm trying to show you that in various parts of the scripture, God wants to bless you. He wants to give you the much more. There's something more than this for you that he has for you. Notice with me in John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Notice with me if you don't mind starting at verse 24. John chapter 12 and verse 24. I love the hurt, turn the, hear the turning of the pages of scripture where people could see the promises for themselves. John chapter 12, notice with me verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth, notice this, much fruit. Much fruit. You know what God desires for you to have? The much more. He wants you to have much fruit. He wants you to have it. Wouldn't it be a horrible tragedy, a travesty to stand on the threshold of eternity and face God and realize that we never lived the life the way that God intended us to live? To live a life of mediocre, mediocrity 
when we could have had the much more. Now, according to this verse, why is it that we didn't have the much more? We never really lived because we never died. As it gives this illustration, it says if we took a grain of wheat and in order to make it grow, you had to put it in the ground. And when it you put that seed in the ground, you know what happens to the seed? It dies. And new life springs from that death and a brand new stock of wheat comes. In order to get that stock of wheat, that seed had to die. In order for us to have the much more, we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our ambitions, our goals, our desires, what we want to get accomplished, our plans. They have to die so that way God can replace them with the much more. To give us much more. And by the way, you're not giving anything up. You're just giving up mediocre for the greatest things, for the much more. You're not losing, you are gaining. What does this mean? Well, this means that we have to remain dependent upon God. Just like when we first attempted to do something, we couldn't realize to do it ourselves. Let me give an example. The first time you have a young man who gets ready to preach, he goes to the Lord and says, Lord, I can't do this. I realize I can't. First time a teacher tries to teach a Sunday school, I can't do this. Lord, you have to help me. And by the way, he will. We have to be that way for everything we do for the Lord. I can't do this. It has to be you. I'm dependent upon you. I need to have the much more. I can't give the folks what I have because it's not enough. I have to have the much more. I have to die in order to have that much fruit. My ambitions, my goals, my strength, my ability, they all have to die. And it has to be replaced with God's strength, God's ability, God's power. To have the much more, the much fruit. Notice if you don't mind in John chapter 15 as Jesus is pulling his disciples aside. And he's trying to give them some last minute instructions before he goes to the cross of Calvary. Notice what he instructs them in John chapter 15. The gospel record of John chapter 15. Notice with me in verse number 1. The gospel record of John 15. Notice with me in verse 1. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every fruit that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. Why? That it may bring forth more fruit. Here we have this illustration. It's going to go on. And Jesus Christ is the branch. Or he's the, or he's the, um, he's the trunk. And we're the branches. And... Like anybody who grows plants, grows trees, you understand that if there's a branch that's not bearing fruit, you cut it off. If it's because God desires for every branch to bear fruit. And if there is a branch that's bearing fruit, but it could bear more, he cuts off some of the extra things that are in the way of bearing fruit. And he cuts them off for the purpose of them having more fruit. Is that purging an awful thing? No, it's a wonderful thing. It's part of that process. It has to be cleaned up, has to die, has to go through this process so it could bear more fruit. Verse number three. 
Now ye are clean through the word that I've spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it bide in the, abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. Once again, we're seeing this. Where does this blessing come from? It doesn't come from us. It comes from God. And as we're plugged into God, we're abiding, we're rejoicing, we're grafted into Him that we bear fruit because of him. Verse number five, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Notice this, for me, for without me, ye can do nothing. Do you desire that much fruit? All throughout this passage, he talks about this much fruit fruit. Once again in verse number 8, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit so that ye shall be my disciples. Here he talks about this, that he has the desire to give thee much more. So here's the foundation we're laying. God desires to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you what God and God alone can do. In order for us to have the blessing, it can't be us. It has to be God. We have to die to our ambition, our desires, our goals. Allow Him to get His way through us. Now this is going to tie exactly into this message here. But we can have the much fruit. But it has to be done God's way. If we want God's blessing and God to do what God alone can do, it has to be Him that does it, not us. We have to be out of the way. We have to be dead so He can bear the much fruit. If you don't mind, turn back with me to 2 Chronicles chapter number 25. And with this foundation laid, with it set up, let's see what happens in Amaziah's case as he's now the king. And let's see this idea that God is trying to encourage him that he can have this much fruit. The first thing I want to show you is the man of God. The man of God. Notice with me in verse number 1. And Amaziah was twenty and five years old when he began to reign. And he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehodadan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. So again, his actions are right. His heart is not. And again, so we're understanding as we start off, we're dealing with people who are not bad people. But his heart wasn't right with God, perfect with God. His actions were fine, but it was the heart. He wasn't dead to self. He wasn't desiring what God and God alone can do. He was just satisfied doing the right thing. Verse number three. Now it came to pass when the kingdom was established to him, he slew his servants that had killed his father, the king. And it goes on to explain he didn't kill their children, but only punish the father. So he makes <clears throat> the first thing he does was to take care of those people who had assassinated his father. He wanted to take care of this, make sure that it was right. Now his second order of business is to build an army. And so what he does is he caps, uh, counts all the people who's qualified to become army and he realizes it's not enough. You see, his way of thinking is that in order to win the battle, I have to be bigger and better than everyone else. I, he has his own plans of how it's going to be done. And the Bible illustrates it. And when he realizes, I don't think this is enough. I need more 
What he does is he comes up with his own plan. So he sends a message to the northern kingdom of Ephraim, Samaria of Israel. And he asks for mercenaries to come. Now at this time, Israel is not right with God. They are far from being right with God. In fact, they don't even pretend to worship God anymore at this time. They're worshiping other gods. God has lifted his hand from them. So here's Amaziah's plan. In order to win the battle, I have to be bigger and better. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some people over here. I know they're not right with God, but I'm going to try to graft them in to try to do God's work and do it my own way, the way that I think it needs to be done. And so he grafts them up and grafts 100,000 mercenaries. Now what's a mercenary? Now he does pay them a lot of money, and we'll get to the money in a second. But how mercenaries really make their living is not what they're initially paid. But mercenaries, when they're used, they go rape, plunder, and pillage everywhere they go. And their bulk of the payment comes from what they're able to steal from the people they kill and conquer. And so they get a down payment, but they're looking forward to getting much more as they go take things by force. So can you imagine, here is an army that says they follow after God, and they go ahead and hire mercenaries who are, don't have the goal of following God, but they hire mercenaries who are going to pillage the land, destroy the land, destroy lives, and take everything they can from that. Can God bless that as part of his army? Absolutely not. And so he does this. I need to have more. I need to have better. I need to have bigger. What was the secret of winning the battle? By depending on God. Not by trying to do it his own way. His own strength. Notice if you don't mind as we pick it back up in verse 6. And he hired also a hundred thousand mighty men of valor out of Israel for a hundred talents of silver. Let's cover that. A talent of silver, a talent of any kind of money, is the idea the equivalent of a man's weight. So if you had a hundred thousand um, or a hundred talents, that is a hundred... Uh, times a man's weight. A man's weight times a hundred. Can you imagine having that much silver? That much gold? That's what he paid them. That's quite an investment. Now again, the mercenaries, they knew that this was just a down payment. They were going to get more. But this king, Amaziah, put a great investment. He paid a lot of money to get these mercenaries. Notice with me verse 7. But there came a man of God to him, Amaziah, saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee. Why? For the Lord is not with Israel. He says, listen, you can't bring them in because God doesn't have his blessing on them. God doesn't have a hand on them. They've rejected God. God can't use them. We understand there's a principle here that God should only use those things that are sanctified to him. That we're not supposed to bring in other people. There's so many times that you hear of churches or whatnot. That bring in actual professional singers. They're not saved. But they bring in professional singers. In order to do the production right. They bring in outside people. To help direct their cantatas. Their, their plays. Their whatnot. So that way they could be more like Hollywood. As they possibly could. 
And what they're doing is they're taking people who are not sanctified to God, separated to God. And they could get done what man could get accomplished. But they're missing the presence and the power of God. Missing what God and God alone can do. And here the man of God says you can't use them because God doesn't have their hand upon them. You're going to make things worse. You're going to only get accomplished what God can do. Notice as he emphasizes this here. But if thou will go, do it. Be strong for the battle. God is able to make thee fall before the enemy. Why? God has the power to help. And he has the power to cast down. He says, if you want to go, you go ahead and go. But you need to know this. You're going without God's favor. And God has the power to make you lose the battle or win the battle. Take your pick. Do you want the much more? Or do you want what God can... uh, You want the much more with God's blessing? Or do you want the more, humanly speaking, without God's blessing? Take your pick. That's what you are choosing now. God's favor or without God's favor. Notice verse 9. And Amaziah said to the man of God, we'll get to this in a second. What we could see is the man of God came. And the responsibility of the man of God is to deliver God's message. And what the man of God's going to do is he's going to make the whole situation uneasy. Think that's a comfortable conversation for the man of God to say, you know what? This extra army that you just did, it's not going to work. God's not happy with it. No one wants to hear that. Amaziah has just put in a lot of money towards this. Someone once said, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Well, part of what the man of God does is he goes and breaks the things that are not broken. This isn't how you're supposed to do it. You may have done this all the way, but let me tell you, in order to have God's blessing, you need to do things different. You need to change the way that you do things. Now, this isn't the message that the king wants to hear. The only thing that he knew how was to do things bigger and better and more power than everyone else. But the man of God, he makes the king aware of the Lord. And that's all of our job is to make people aware of the Lord. That they could have much more. That God has a desire to do something. We're not just here to have a church or to sing. But we're to make people aware of God by confronting them. That they need to know that there's a real God. And the only way that people will know the truth is if somebody tells the truth to them. So we start off with a man of God. The second thing we bring to our attention here is the matter of the money. The matter of the money. So the man of God tells him to send him home. God is able to give thee much more than this. Notice what Amaziah says in verse 10. Then Amaziah separated them to wit, or sorry, Verse number 9. But Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundreds of talents which I've given to the army of Israel? He says, But what about the money? I just spent a hundred talents of silver. That's a lot of money. A hundred times a man's weight. Can you imagine that? He says, I invested. What about the money? You know, if we're going to follow after God... Sometimes it's going to cost something because we've invested in our own plans. And in order for us to change, that means we lose in that investment sometimes. But we have to make the exchange to lose out on that investment to have the much more. It's amazing how when people are confronted with this, when it comes to the matter of the money, they'd rather double down and see if their way is going to work Rather than give up and say, all right, it's God's way. We watch people do this with their families. We tell them, we confront them and say, I'm sorry. Let me tell you what the Bible says, how to raise children. 
people will say, listen, I double down. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to see what I can get done myself. When you could have had it done God's way and had God's blessing upon it. You got to choose God's way or the way you want to think. Some people think of running churches. You know what? We have our way of building a church. We have our way of doing things. And they may invest quite a bit. But you have to choose to do it God's way or man's way. Do you get what man can get accomplished? Or do you want what God can get accomplished? People do that in their personal lives. Well, my finances aren't in order. But I'm going to double down and I'm going to do it this way. Or you could do it like God said. And let God bless you. You understand this covers every area of life. By the way, what keeps us from having this? Pride. I am right. I can't acknowledge that the way I've been doing things has not been correct the whole time. I refuse to acknowledge it. I'd rather ignore God's warning and God's promise of blessing in order to do things my way. And what happens is that you get what only man can get accomplished and you do it without God's blessing when they could have had the much more. What about the money? What about the money? What about my investment? What about the way that I think? What about my belief? What about this? And they bring in the objection. Let me tell you, you may lose out on that investment, but it is worth it to have the blessing that God gives, to do it God's way. Instead of do it the way that you thought and double down and then turn it to a disaster when you could have done it right the first time. It's amazing. I've been pastoring long enough that I've had people come in my office that I've warned years before. And they'll come and say, it's not worked out. It's not, I'm disappointed with how it turned out. And to look at them and said, if you just listened to me five years ago, you wouldn't have been here. You could have had the much more. But now you wait it till everything's fall apart. Everything's a disaster for you to finally say, maybe I wasn't right in the first place. Let me tell you, you could avoid that step and die to self now and say, I want what God has. I'm going to do it God's way, not my way. I'm going to put faith and trust in God that God knows what he's doing. I want God's blessing. You could avoid the disaster. Young people, let me tell you, you don't have to waste your life and ruin your life and let it fall apart for you to finally realize I should have done it God's way. You could have had the much more now. And the blessings of your life of what God has for you. Having the much more. Amaziah then follows God. He separates to them to wit the army that came to him with Ephraim and send him home again. But their anger was greatly kindled against Judah and they returned home in great anger. But we could see that he did what was right. He wasn't happy about it. What about the money? But he said, you got to choose now. God's blessing or your way. Take your pick. And by the way, he did choose God's way. And God was able to take care of them. But what happened about these people? Verse number 13. But the soldiers of the army which Amaziah sent back that they should not go with him. Fell upon the cities of Judah and Samaria. Even a Beth Horon. And smote 3,000 of them that took much spoil. Notice this. Here's these guys here. They're mad. Again, they got paid 100, 100 talents of silver, but that was not their main source of money. They were going to rape, pillage, and destroy and steal everything they could. So when Amaziah said, you know what? I'm sorry. I know I've already paid you. Go ahead and go home. They were missing out on what they were expecting to get. 
And so they're upset. We were wanting to rape. We were wanting to pillage. We were wanting to get more than this. So they get home or start heading home. And as they hit the border towns going back to Israel, they said, you know what? We're going to take it out on these people. And they killed 3,000 people and took their stuff in order to get it back. You said, but was it worth the investment? It was always worth doing things right. He did do what was right by sending them home in order to get the victory of what God and God alone can do. Remember, nothing should be used in God's work that God hasn't sanctified and put his hand upon. That principle still remains. What about the money? Well, you give it to God. You, you have to just die to self and say, I'm going to do things God's way. It may cost me something, but it's always right to follow God and allow him to have his power, even if it costs you something. Which now brings us to this, the much more. Now, the king goes and has a destruction of the Edomites. And he happens to bring back the false gods that the Edomites were serving. The man of God now comes and confronts him and says, Listen, what are you doing? Why are you serving the gods who didn't even protect him? Why were you serving the losers? And the king's complaining and griping and actually threatens the, the man of God for this. Here's a man who saw God's blessing, but still set it aside. And he left it out and said, I want what I have. And he lost with a much more. What amazing thing would it be for us to have God's blessing and have people come to us and say, what can we do to have that blessing? What can we do to have what you have going here? Wouldn't it be great for young men and women to visit us and be convinced that our church, that we found the much more. Some people have in mind the wrong idea. That they believe that the true success of a church is in its size. But the true success of a church is in its likeness to Jesus Christ. And that's what we should be striving for, is to be more like Jesus Christ. Because he's able to give the much more. This should be the desires of our homes. This should be desires of our personal life. It should be desire of our church that we would have the much more. And in order to have that blessing of God, and God wants to bless us, they're not hidden blessings, they're available blessings. But they only come when we're willing to die and say, it's not what I can do. It's what God and God alone can do. Someone's life could be at a place where they could say, it's not, I don't want what I can do. I want what God can do for me. I want God's blessing upon my life. I'm going to surrender and I'm going to give it to God now and say, God, you give me your blessing. I set aside my desires, my goals, my ambitions. I surrender and say, God, whatever you would have in my life, that's what I want. I want the much more. Maybe there's an area of your life that you know that you have a choice. Do I do it my way? The way that the psychologists tell me. The way that the world tells me. The way that the philosophers tell me. Or do I do it God's way and get the much more? That's a choice that we have to make. Do we surrender and do it God's way? Or do we try to do it our way? God desires to give us the much more. It's not a hidden blessing. It's not a far away blessing. It's not an unobtainable blessing. It is a very easy blessing, but we have to die to self. 
we must decrease, he must increase. We must abide in Christ because without him we could do nothing. It's the recognition that I can't do it. God has to do it. And the desire that I don't want man can do. I don't want what I can do. I want the much more that goes beyond what we could do. To have the blessings that God and God alone can have. And that only comes as we purposely, on purpose, die to self and say, Lord, you have your own way, not mine. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.